I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Also coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top Insider is here. Ryan, good afternoon. Good morning. Really good morning. How are yeah, you? I guess good morning. Might be good, depending on how, how long we ramble today. It might be good afternoon by the time we're done, but, but good Ooh. morning for now. I don't know. I got things to do. We can't go that super long. This is a little hour. I got uh, other pods to hit uh, at this point. <laughs> also said, here. I don't care about you guys. <laughs> I got, no, hold on. I just have, I'm checking things off here, man. I got the, the thing right here. I got, I got things to move through. Um, also here, long time friend of the pod, Ethan Stone of Saturday Down South. Ethan, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a while. I need to, declare my schedule more be able to get on with you guys more well, connor is a, a friend of the pod he's on pretty frequently just yeah. text him be like hey just as a heads up i'm gonna be on chase's pod and he's like all right i got that i know chase chris marler uh we went to the same yeah. high school no oh, really? marler very well so there you go yeah there's all kinds of connections there um well fellas we have some tennessee volunteers to talk about i want to kind of get the the basketball portion out of the way here and I'm going to post this on Friday because there's a lot of content coming out um, today and tomorrow for Tennessee basketball and baseball, uh, which we'll get to. But first things first, uh, the basketball team beat Alabama this week. And I, I think I said, uh, I don't know if Ryan and I, you were talking about this last week or who I was talking to about this last week, but maybe it was Will. Um, but ultimately, the what we saw last week against Vanderbilt and then what followed against Mizzou was either going to break this team at the seams and this was going to be the just saddest, most depressing ending uh, to a once very promising season where they just completely implode. Or it's like this revitalization where they're like, okay, we can never have a week that bad and that unlucky. Again, we're still one of the best teams in college basketball. We had our week from hell. Let's we still have control our own destiny in a, a lot of ways. Let's just go take care of business against the best team in the SEC and show that we're, we're actually back and we're, we're mentally tough. We got the ladder. Now I look at it as like, Oh, they're going to handle Kentucky tomorrow and they're going to be fine the rest of the way. Like I'm more like I'm, I, there's a possibility they run the gauntlet now. Like I've now flipped the other way where I don't think they lose again until conference play. And I, I, Maybe this is a little bit of a reaction and with their injuries. We'll see how long they can keep that going with a lot of uh, Jemai Meshack playing a lot of minutes as a non-shooter. We'll see if that uh, comes up to be a problem, but he does so much defensively that hasn't been an issue yet. 
I don't know. Uh, what do you make of the the Bama win, Ryan? You're smirking, so I'm ready to hear what you're about to say. Well, it's just like you just talked for 90 seconds, and I'm not sure you said one thing I agreed with. Um, <laughs> I love that. That's what it I'll makes start a good with pod. The fact that I think your logic is sound of like the break this team or they'll build from it. Like I think that's mm-hmm. that was generally speaking accurate. But where I disagree with it from was. I was pretty confident this team wasn't going to be broken coming out of last week, hmm. especially because how they lost the Missouri game. I mean, it was they played really well in the second half. Certainly, Vescovy and, and Tobey Awaka make some some costly mistakes, but they lost on a half court shot. It hmm. wasn't like Vanderbilt where they just have a terrible defensive breakdown. So, to me, the, the bigger concern was the fact that you come into this week. I thought the team was still going to be bought in, but you have two tough games, and you hmm. play Alabama, who's certainly capable of beating you, and play at a Rupp Arena against a Kentucky team that we've already seen beat them at Thompson Bowling Arena. So I felt like you needed to win at least one game this week or you would be in complete danger of what you just said and the wheels kind of falling off. But then you flip it and you you make the 180 of positivity and hmm. certainly I think Tennessee's a better team than Kentucky, but I don't think they match up particularly well there. I don't think the physical style of defense that they want to play on the perimeter, they're going to get, be able to get away with a whole lot at Rupp Arena. Mm. And I think Texas A&M on the road is a very difficult game. Uh, I think Auburn on the road is a game that I wouldn't pick Tennessee right now to win by any means. I do think, obviously, the two home games they have left of Arkansas and South Carolina would be would be stunning if they didn't take, take care of business. So. Yeah, just generally speaking, I didn't agree with much of what you said. I think there's a lot of hard games left on the schedule. I think I did not expect the team to be broken or giving up after after those first two. And uh, I guess to keep myself from rambling too long, I'll throw it to Ethan to, to break down a lot about the Alabama game. Well, Ryan's wrong. So, Ethan, what your take? <laughs> I, I'll, I'll bring up a different point I disagree mm-hmm. from from what you said earlier. Oh, perfect. Um, I'll Great say back. the um, – so – I mean, walking into the, I I went to the Alabama game this, this mm-hmm. on I guess Saturday, whenever it was, or mm-hmm. Wednesday. Wednesday. I'm, I'm broken inside. I don't know if you guys can tell. I'm broken inside mm-hmm. right now. My mind is is nothing. But you walk into that game, you say you're down Julian Phillips, you're down Josiah. I get Tennessee beat Kansas earlier this year without Josiah, but mm-hmm. you still got to think. Okay, you got the number one team in the country, elite athleticism, and you, and you're missing one of your most athletic players in Julian Phillips. Who's gonna guard him and be able, who's gonna guard Brandon Miller and be able to like stop them? I guess like like I just I, I could see. I, I also agree with Ryan that I don't think that they were just gonna be broken and just gonna you know bow down and lose by thirty. But I didn't think they were gonna win. And then you lose that, and it just becomes a snowball effect. You got you got like like Ryan said, you got Kentucky, you got Texas A and M on the road, you got Auburn and Arkansas to finish the year, and Arkansas is finally figuring stuff out. So. That's where I thought the problems were going to – kind of. Okay, that's fair. They get Nick Smith back, so they're going to be – too with Nick Smith back. <laughs> they're, they're gonna I think be Nick back. Smith gets shut back down, by the way. I, I think he comes back I, and plays a little bit, and he's like, I, I'm going top five in the draft. What, what are you paying for? I, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I, haven't lost, yeah, I haven't lost faith in Eric Musselman. Yeah, I, I, I it's think not lost gonna, faith. They just can't shoot. Like, they're I mean, yeah, they're, I'm not they're, worried about them. Uh, let's get Arkansas. Anyway, no, not in Arkansas. Baseball season starting. It's Arkansas hate week. Get them out of here. Get them out of here. Anyway. Uh, I'll get to the I'll get to the point that I disagree with you about. Tennessee mm-hmm. is all over the place. So, I mean, you said you think it'll be positive momentum going forward. That's mm-hmm. what it should be. Tennessee beat Texas a few weeks ago and looked like the number one team in the nation, and then played the worst game of the season against Florida the mm-hmm. following week. And then they dropped 
you know, two of the next three after that to, to Vandy. And then obviously the Mizzou game, like Ryan said, that's Mizzou just made every single shot and then one on the half court buzzer. So uh, that's just kind of, it is what it is right there. But I a hundred percent thought that if they lose to Alabama, they go into Rupp, they fight with Kentucky and lose to Kentucky. That's when I would have been pressing the panic button for Tennessee quite yet. I, I'm just not really sure what to make of them just because of the point I made earlier that you go, you beat Alabama, the number one team in the country. All logic would tell you that they're going to keep this winning streak up, but you just don't really know with this team. They got to show some consistency. They got to go out there and, and, you know, beat Kentucky, move to one and one on them on the season. And then they got a tough Texas A&M team on the road that if you're going to win in March, you got to go and beat Texas A&M on the road. You got to finish the season to beat Auburn and Arkansas. And they haven't shown enough consistency to be able to do that. If they can do that, which they absolutely have the talent for, then then we can you know start talking about this team making a deep run in March. If they lose two of those three in, of Kentucky, Texas A&M, and Auburn, season's canceled. It's baseball season, 100%. It's out, like 1,000%. <laughs> I'm out. I'm ejecting. I'm full on on the, in, on the hunt uh, merch here on out. Like, look, I got the Tennessee baseball shirt going today. I'm ready for that. No, here's the other thing, too. Guess how many Rick Barnes teams have made it past the Sweet 16 with more than seven losses? I guess it's zero. Yeah, it's zero. zero. <laughs> so Tennessee you, you right now like is making six. the Sweet 16 is not some really strong achievement for the Tennessee yeah. basketball program, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying. Especially if they get a two seed. This, well, I mean, we said that. The last magic time, number but. for Rick Barnes over 30 years of evidence is you have to have seven losses or less to make the Elite Eight or, or better. Like that's it, and they are at six right now. So if you drop two more, and I'm I don't think they win back to back conference title like the conference championship title so i'm already penciling in that one more loss yeah i agree with that i have a hard time seeing anyone being bama and that right to be honest with you and then you're looking at if you drop that loss and then one or two more you're at nine or ten going in and it's like that's just not a deep run team like that's just when you look at barnes history those teams generally speaking go out in the round of 32 around to 64 that's just reality like they have so little room for margin for error and losses in the history of rick barnes teams where i'm like nope uh, this is it. Like you've you've gotten you the two crazy. You cannot lose games. Really, three with Florida. That like you can lose one or two of those. Not three. There's no margin for error. I think they have to win the rest of these games and be a two seed. I think that's what we're looking at for a deep deep tournament run. I'll play devil's advocate with no truly elite team and everyone kind of on a down season. Do you think that plays into anything for a potential deep run, or will that actually hurt with all the all the better? all the better schools coming in the mid range. God, what do you think? <laughs> Does that matter? Or is it still- I really don't know because, mm-hmm. because sure there's no elite team. I, I'm, I'm not really for it one way or another. Sure. Yeah. There's no elite team. There's a pretty decent amount of very good teams though. I, I yeah. at least I'd argue. So yeah, there's more of a chance that you run into one of those in, in the mid rounds of the tournament. So if you don't get the two, the three seed, I mean, you could just be in for a gauntlet of big 10 slash big 12 teams in the middle of the pack. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point, and, and I, I think Chase, your logic is sound on all of that, but your stat you had to pull, I, I, it's just like they can't make it past the Sweet 16. Well, doggone, Tennessee's been playing basketball for 130 years, and they've done it one time. So <laughs> it just feels like to me you're you're just looking for reasons to get out on the team. No, and I'm the, not. No, hold on, hold on. I'm not looking for reasons. I am saying what I think is going to happen. Those are two different things. Where I'm like, here's the evidence, like. It, you have to get to this point, and that's where I'm at. Where I'm like, you're either because they're so close. But you're, but you're, but you're 
of get to this point is get to somewhere Tennessee's been one time. Yeah. You're like, I can't celebrate a Sweet 16. That, well, no, I'm, no, better than that. I'm, I'm too good for that. Yeah. That's absurdity. That's absurdity. No. Do you want I me to celebrate like... the 14 straight division titles for the Braves? Like, those are great. Like, the Braves have won five straight now with Alex Anthopoulos. He's never lost a division. But it's one title. You know what I have? A world champ banner, Ryan. It's not a division banner behind me. I don't. I mean, we're not raising Sweet Sixteen banners in this household. Can't do it. Wanna, you're, I mean, I, I just can't deal with us comparing Major League Baseball to college basketball here. The comparisons are. It's insanity. apples to apples, Ryan, and you know this. <laughs> it's not even apples to oranges. It's grapes to cantaloupes. I yeah. mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I think you're. I think you're off base here. I think. You know what this is, Ryan. He just he's he's drawn to the the lovable story here. He just he he's like, hey, progress, baby steps. When we start becoming a consistent Sweet Sixteen team, maybe by twenty thirty two is when we really can start looking at the Elite Eight Final Four runs as a more consistent possibility. I'm looking at the fact that I know one of the very most enjoyable things in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Granted, I'm a fan of a lot of really bad bad teams. Mm-hmm. One of the most fun things in my entire life is the week between the first weekend and second weekend of the NCAA tournament when your team's still playing. It's mm. so much fun. It's so much fun. It's a great I feeling. I thought you were going to say Friday mornings in the podcast, but I guess that also works. <laughs> Friday mornings on the pod. Friday mornings on the podcast <laughs> outside of in basketball season when Chase is just negative Nancy. is is just – it drives me – drives my blood pressure way up. It's not good for me. Negative baseball Nancy. Is the, baseball is around the corner. Baseball's here. You know what change. I'm ready for? A team that's Dang. already been to the College World Series in the last two years. Got to the Supers. <laughs> looks like they have a real shot at winning the national title this year. They're there. Like the the, the actual juggernauts are here now. And I wonder if attendance shifts uh, down the stretch here because baseball will overlap a little bit, right? In the weekend? No? Yeah, yeah no, it will, but. Yeah. I don't think it's gonna have any any. Well, I guess so? I guess the one the one game maybe it will because the one game is South Carolina. Yeah, man, that's gonna be a tough sell. What about a terrible, what about a terrible <laughs> basketball team? But if they played that Arkansas game on Saturday, I don't think yeah. you would see any attendance. Yeah, so. true. I don't know. There might be a little bit of a dip. And another one more comment hating on Chase. If Rick Barnes had the best team all season in the regular season and the loss in the Sweet Sixteen. The just the killing the killing would be unbelievable. It would be unbelievable. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be ready to throw rocks at him and tomatoes at him on the stage. And that's not, and that's not me saying that should happen to Tony Vitello. It shouldn't. Mm-hmm. College baseball is – that's the nature of the sport. A lot of the best teams in the last decade haven't made the College World Series. Mm-hmm. But it feels like there's a little bit of a double standard of how, how Chase compares the two coaches uh, of the basketball and baseball sports on the hill. Mm. Well, Ryan's wrong again. Um, out Chase on his own pod today. I'm he really after is. Him. <laughs> he's gotten too comfortable, Ethan, because you're not here as often. He's gotten way too comfortable. He's he's just like this is really my show, and uh, like this is really my game at this point. And I'm I'm running. Chase against. made himself vulnerable by by trying to, to bring up UConn as like an argument for Tennessee's schedule being harder. Hold on, Ethan, year. that's not wait, wait, what it no, was. No, 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 Chase, I gotta go first. Me, me and Ryan had lunch over this, and, mm-hmm. and I heard this take, and if mm-hmm. he's if he's portraying it like you actually said it, that's an unbelievable take. Yeah, that's you. not what happened. Ryan okay. is... Uh, <laughs> uh, let me. I want to hear your side. Every story is... Ne- I might never be back on this podcast again after today, and I'm, I'm just riding a high... Right every now. every every story has two sides. I want to hear yours, Chase, because if Ryan's is correct, this is this is new. Here's my take. <laughs> 
and it involved UConn. It was not all about UConn. No, it wasn't. You're right. It wasn't all about UConn. It was about that Tennessee's non-conference schedule is tougher than other people. Like, they have one gimme game. My thing about, because we were talking about in terms of how many wins Tennessee would have this year versus last year, and why I was like, I just don't see a way of it not being a regression in some form, like eight and four, nine and three. Nine and three being the which best case scenario. That, which I agree yes. with that on the record. And I did not say they were going to lose to UConn. What I said was UVA, who I think will be a little bit better in year two under Elliott, neutral side, they should win that. But it's not like a com- they still have to come to play. They still have to, like, we'll see what Joe looks like in that game. Like, we saw what Pitt was last year. And that was that was not great uh, on the road. And that was a much better Tennessee team. And that was just, it took a Cedric Tillman uh, Moss moment in the end zone to survive that one, which easily could have been a loss to a second string quarterback. So I'm not, like, just, it's not a gimme. Um, I'll say that. You have UTSA who I think is really good and is going to put a lot of points on this defense. And I think that's going to be close in the fourth quarter. Like, I really think that's a sneaky one where Tennessee fans are going to be like, uh, what is happening? Why are we still in it? It's the game game where Joe Milton gets, gets benched, right? Yes. That's that's what I predicted. That's the game where Joe Milton gets benched because I think Frank Harris outplays Joe Milton in that game. And it's like, okay, we gotta, we gotta transition here. We're going into uh, sec play the following week um, with South Carolina, A&M and all that. And then you have Alabama, Kentucky, and then UConn, all back to back. So you have or AM, Alabama, Kentucky, and then UConn just sitting there at home, who went to a bowl game this year. Well coached team, Jim Mora. What I'm saying is, is it would be nice to have awesome. Austin P there. It would be nice to have a they have it's not a gimme. They still have to show up and it play well. I, I think it's, it's not good. you're not playing uh who did they play in that spot last year? It was um what, UT uh Martin? Was it UT Martin in that one? The Skyhawks? I think that was the spot. Akron would be the team or Akron, that's, that's what I'm saying. So you upgraded I mean, from like it's Akron not an FCS to UConn. School, sure. Yeah, that's I, what I'm I could saying. See it being, just... But two years ago it might as well have been an Central FCS. Connecticut, Fresno <laughs> State, Florida <laughs> International, Boston College and UMass. Hang mm. the banners for those wins for UConn last year. Hold Hang on. the banner. Again, never said I Boston thought they were going to lose. All my, do you see what I'm saying, though, Ethan? <laughs> is they have one true just they don't even have to show up, and it's Austin P. Every other game they have to. I, I don't think they have to show up for you. Yeah, I, I really don't. I just, Joe Milton's still under center. They're better under Mora. They're considerably better. That is because they were the worst team in college yep. football before him. <laughs> they could hand, the 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 hand the ball off every play like they did against Vanderbilt. <laughs> like, and score 50 they're better, game. sure, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they're on upset alert against UConn. That is not <laughs> yeah, what I'm yeah, pushing no, here. You're, you're right, and I and I have a little bit – hand up. I have a little <laughs> bit straw man argument, Chase, a little bit. <laughs> but we have gotten to where – we've gotten to the base point of where we disagree. And that is, I don't think Tennessee has to worry about showing up and playing even a, a C I mean, plus game to I think handle you can, UConn easily. I think you can comfortably say Tennessee will beat UConn by 21, 28 points and not have to worry about it, is yeah. what I mean. Like, I mean, they could score Let's a couple of going. I, mean, I don't it know. It could be like a 38 to 10 or something like that, or 38 to 14 or something around those lines. But I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to be a 27 to 24 shootout or anything like that. I mean, they go to Florida. They will blow out South Carolina at home. But, like, Texas A&M, I think, will be a lot closer than people think. I think they're going to be fine on defense. I think the offense yeah. will be better with Petrino. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to be just an easy win. Bama, I don't think you're winning back-to-back years. I think that's probably a loss going to Bama. And then Kentucky, also on the road. That will be close. I think Devin Leary is going to be really good for Kentucky. Liam Cohen's back. That's not a gimme. 
Like, there's a path where that they're, like, on a bad losing streak or they're really banged up and they're just kind of in the middle of this grind where they're like, oh, my God, let's get to Mizzou and Vanderbilt. Like, well, let's just wrap this season up. Like, this is – that's the gauntlet of the schedule. And then you have UConn just sitting there like, we would love nothing more than to Georgia State, you guys. Uh, I think I think UTSA has a larger chance to – Oh, 100%. I agree State. with that. Yeah. My okay. thing is – I'm happy like, you agree there. <laughs> which is what your, your argument here is if Tennessee loses every single game that it's possible that they lose – then yeah, they might play a game mm. with fourteen points, and I never feel like they're gonna lose. Mm. That's one too. If they're like tied at halftime against UConn, I think, and Joe Milton's still the quarterback. It's like we're just on Joe Milton. Watch the way Tennessee fans talk. Like I just Ryan and I have talked about it, Ethan. But I just because it's the off season, you don't have to like it's all theoretical, and everyone's it's all good vibes, and it's just like the best story ever. And I'm like. The first Joe Milton overthrow. Like, Nico wasn't on campus yet. Nico was on campus. Like, the first Joe Milton miss. The first interception. The first Joe Milton three and out. I will be in the building, and the chants are going to be overwhelming. If Harrison Bailey was getting just screaming fans from the beginning to end of his tenure, I, I just... The Nico, and it's just an easy thing to shout, too. Yeah. Like, Nico is such an easy thing to just shout that, like... That's never the analysis like, you get on this podcast. Yeah, like it's just <laughs> it's true. That's and, something I haven't really thought of before. Is just the the margin of error for Milton is yes. is razor thin. Opposing fan bases can got, do this because like opposing students could be like Nico, yeah. like when he's really struggling. Like that's an easy way to get in his head. We have no idea what it's going to look like. Like I, I mean, do I think do I think Heupel's going to cave or anything like that? Not really. But the the margin of error is there's going to be a lot of pressure because people just want to see Nico. But, yeah. I also think he might. Heupel's not afraid to just like go the other way like i mean definitely not but he'll have to have actually seen that he earned it not just yeah. joe up and wrote you know 700 or whatever now if hypo wanted to go full just like make me become the joker is if he goes from joe to gaston moore where he's like nico's not ready I'm going to become the joker yeah, like the, moore is. <laughs> hypo will lose so much of the goodwill he built in the last year with the fan base if he, if he makes that move he's like i can't put nico in now i just can't it would be calling to fire him by texas a&m <laughs> oh my god um but that's what it feels like. Um, that was before a we get into more Tennessee way, football, though. So now Ethan knows. There's more context because just Ryan is just <laughs> positing stuff and just in really, really in, uh, erroneous formats. Ryan's decided. I didn't say much anything much different from what you just said. Okay. I was probably a little more overdramatic when I talked to it, but I didn't. I didn't say you thought we were going to lose the game or anything like that. Mm. I think I used the word he thought he thinks we should be worried about UConn. No. You have to show up. You can't just do walkthroughs and pretend like it's not a game. And you're playing <laughs> UT Martin. That was the point. Um, how will baseball? How will the baseball series go this weekend? Should we expect a sweep? Is Arizona uh, a good matchup for Tennessee? Um, Ryan, when you look at uh, who's going to be on the mound tonight, my guy, it's all Chase all the time. I'm so ready to just be like Chase is in Knoxville. The amount of times I'm going to use that this year is just going to be. Mm. Top notch, chef's chef's kiss. Um, what are we? What are you looking for out of this weekend? And um, what do you think matchup wise is going to be in the ball's favor? Well, I think what I'm looking for this weekend is one to see what the outfield rotation looks like. And hmm. obviously, Griffin Merritt is suspended for the first two games from getting ejected in Cincinnati's last game last season. But still, <laughs> six guys. Yeah, 
incredible NCAA rule. <laughs> Six guys in the outfield who I think are going to get a lot of opportunities mm. in the pre-conference slate, and, and obviously that's going to carry over to the DH spot. Tony Vitello said as much. So I'm curious to see how that shakes out, and I'm curious to see how the bullpen shakes out, and especially mm. this weekend. You know, once we get into SEC play, and it kind of was this case last year, the bullpen may not get a lot of run because the starting pitching is so good. But mm. early in the season, they're all those guys are going to be on a pitch count. It's going to be more opportunities for the bullpen, and there's tons of competition there. I mean, I feel pretty good about. I feel pretty confident, I should say, that Camden Sewell, Seth Halverson, and Kirby Cannell are going to have some definitive roles in the bullpen. Behind mm-hmm. that, there's like eight guys who I could see earning roles, and, and there's probably only, what, you know, three spots that, that's going to be able to, other extra spots that's going to get consistent innings. So uh, I'm fascinated to see that. And then as it comes to the schedule and this weekend specifically, it feels like Tony Vitello did the scheduling because I think they get the three games in the exact order you'd want. And mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona is a really good team. Their weaknesses, I don't. I think their top end pitching is, is not great. It, to me, it'll be curious to see how they bounce back. Obviously, Jay Johnson took a ton of talent with him to LSU last year uh, when he left in Chip Hell's first season. They were good, uh, but just a two two seed in the NCAA tournament. I think lost in uh, the regional finals. So, uh, I think they'll be better this year. It'll be curious to see. But the lack of top end pitching makes me. Makes me skeptical that they're going to have enough for Chase Dolander to, to get a win, and then Grand Canyon's a, a, one of those. I feel like there's tons of them in Tennessee. We'll see another of one of them later in the year in Gonzaga, but just one of those classic, good, really good mid-major West Coast programs. Who's a team that's going to make the NCAA tournament? Um, but again, I think with Chase Burns, it's hard not to see Tennessee winning, and then UC San Diego to me is the worst team in the Desert Invitational. So I think mm. that'll be an easy win for Tennessee. So obviously, it's baseball. I wouldn't be shocked if Tennessee drops either of these first two, but my prediction is for them to get a sweep. Are you going? Are you going to Kentucky? I'm going to Kentucky, but Jack Foster will have uh will be out in Arizona and have everything covered for Rocky Top Insider, and I'll have a little bit of uh, side content tonight, and then again uh, after the series is over on Sunday. So we'll have a lot of good stuff. There you go, Ethan. What about you? What are you most excited about seeing uh, this opening weekend for the Vols baseball team? Huh. See, I'm I'm a football basketball guy. You know that straight mm. up. I I want to see them not lose to San Diego. That's gonna be that's gonna be my take for the mm. for the day on the Chase Thomas podcast because the the few things I do know about Arizona Grand Canyon San Diego is that Arizona and Grand Canyon are decent programs. Arizona is probably the best of the three. Uh, San Diego is the one you don't want to be losing to. But, mm. you know, like, it's it's like Ryan said, it's college baseball, so stuff like that just kind of happens sometimes. I mean, not, e- not even San Diego. Tennessee lost the Tennessee Tech last. So not even year. San Diego. UC San Diego. UC San. Two different schools. Oh, which I figured out the hard way when the schedule came out. Goodness, I, I, isn't San Diego just like in the WCC in basketball? Am yes. I? Yeah. I would have made that mistake. I didn't even know there was two different. Yeah, schools. no, I didn't. And then there's San Diego State first. too, which is the biggest. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. San Diego uh, State, yeah. I can make the distinction. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know San Diego, you San, San Diego, Diego State, San Diego. and San Diego. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's also just an easy one if you want to just like walk around Knoxville. If you want to be in like, here's some coffee. Uh, here's a, a K-Bird tip for you guys. Or you're in Cool Beans tonight and you're trying to make conversation um, and trying to show like you're, you're trying to flex your Tennessee baseball knowledge. Here's all I got to say. This is the talking point on any Tennessee Volunteers podcast. I'm just hearing t- Andrew Lindsay is going to be an absolute stud in the bullpen. Like I think Andrew Lindsay is a guy that everyone has been raving about. Tony Vitello, everyone is just the bullpen's the strength of this team. Like the bullpen has never been deeper, and I think it's going to be Andrew Lindsay. The guys just can't stop raving about him, and I just I'm excited to see what Andrew Lindsay looks like out of the pen. I think he's just going to be a linchpin in this group. And they're like, yeah, that's that's interesting, Andrew Lindsay, huh? And you're like, yeah, Andrew Lindsay. That's what I'm hearing. Is Maybe throwing a Jacob Bimby in there too. Mm-hmm. You know, college guy. 
Something I just thought of, I actually am pretty interested to watch. I'm not sure how much run I'll get because, like I said, I just don't know too mm. much about the rotation. Steph Halverson, uh, I, I don't think yeah. he played at all last season. Uh, yeah. Missouri guy, I believe, from mm. a couple years ago. Right. Didn't play last season. I, I that, That'll be interesting to see him get some run to see, I guess, where he fits in. Like Ryan said, there's there's a million arms that that can be really talented in the in, in the starting rotation, bullpen, all that. I want to see where Halverson fits in. Yeah. To me, that's what the interesting part of it is that you have Halverson, you have Andrew Lindsay, and you have Zach Joyce, and all three have mm-hmm. a lot of similarities in that they are tall, hard-throwing right-handed arms, and they haven't pitched in a year or two years. So mm-hmm. we know the talent's there with those guys, but how? what's the consistency going to be like and how quickly can they kind of reach their peak? I think it's going to be the, the important questions in such a deep bullpen. Do we get twin magic where Ben has an off weekend where he's able to step in? Because they look identical. Like, they, they look do. the same. Can you not throw Ben in there if we need to? Like, can we really not do some twin magic? I think you should. Like, they really look exactly alike. Yeah, they, like, they, they look. I, don't, I honestly, I don't know how. I, Ben's, like a, Ben's a little bit bigger. Yeah. But do you think Jared Dickey knows? Seems like he's around both a lot. Front of the pot. I wonder if he could. Yeah, I wonder if you could you could trick him. That should be a video. Tennessee Volunteer Baseball Team. See if you could actually <laughs> trick, guys. trick Jared Dickey uh, as to whether or not he's talking to Zach or Ben Joyce. That would be fun. Um, your favorite. Uh, who gets the most starts at catcher, Ryan, this year? Who do you think it is? I think it's going to be Cal Stark. And okay. Charlie Taylor is going to get the two starts this weekend. Those two guys, at least the plan is for them to alternate weekend starts. I think in the end it'll be Cal Stark by SEC play. I think he'll be the guy that's getting the Friday and Sunday starts and Charlie Taylor's getting the Saturday starts and then probably most weeks a lot of run in the midweek action as well. But I'm going to go Cal Stark. I do think Charlie Taylor's bat is improved. Hmm. That's kind of, The floor is kind of the, the ground there that put a spin on the, the famous Michael Jordan quote. But I do think he's better there. But at the end of the day, I, I just feel like – Cal Stark's going to be good enough defensively that the upgrade that his bat gives Tennessee is going to lead to him getting more weekend starts. It's a great baseball name, Cal Stark. It's like, a phenomenal that's just a, baseball that's name. That's a great baseball name. One of the He's first got, I thought where's he from? The name. I'm not positive. Let me okay. look it up. Feels Texas to me. Feels Texas. Wait, is he a Farragut guy? He's he a Juco transfer, guy. isn't he? He is a Juco transfer. Uh, he's Weatherford College and Texas Farragut High School. Oh, there's two Farragut's? Yeah. There's a lot of junior college transfers on this team that are Knoxville guys originally. Hmm. Interesting. Um, your best guess, Ryan, on who the favorite new player for Tennessee fans will be this year is going to be who? Who would you guess is the fan favorite? Because Drew Gilbert's gone. Jordan Beck's gone. Trey Lipscomb's gone. Even Luke Lipsius. Um, I think Evan Russell was sneakily maybe the number one yeah. just because of his – impact and people just really trusted and and really uh came around that guy i mean also ortega became a big favorite this past year um Trey Lipscomb was the one for me i feel like yeah. he kind of came out of no, not nowhere but uh, no, he did come out of nowhere he yeah, sat for three years I mean, and waited he, his time yeah um yeah. who do you think it is ryan well i think if you're looking at players that have been on the roster before i think it's gonna be christian moore he plays hmm. with a lot of that swagger and fire that a lot of those guys had last year, but certainly certainly not the degree Drew Gilbert did. But Drew Gilbert was the emotional leader of the team last mm. year. I think Christian Moore is the emotional leader of the team this year. And do you think he starts every day? I do think he starts every day. Okay. I would. I think he's going to be – I don't really think that whole infield is going to be just about the everyday starters. Blake Burke mm. first, Christian Moore second, Malia Nunes shortstop, and then Zane didn't at third. I'd be really surprised if we see much deviation from that. 
Um, but I think Christian Moore is the emotional leader. If you want to talk about a newcomer who I think players are, are, are fans are really going to like, I think it's Griffin Merritt. Uh, he mm. kind of the first two weeks of fall mm. practice was kind of got off to a slow start, but that final month he was great. I've heard phenomenal things about his preseason practice, and he, he can really match the ball. And I think he's going to be the one of the main power bats in the middle of this lineup. And I think if you look at the newcomers, I think he's going to be the most most popular guy. He looks forty three. I watched he the does. interview with him. I'm like, this man is not a college kid anymore. I don't know what we're doing here, but like, this man is—he's uh, got three kids and works a nine to five and plays Tennessee baseball on the side. Like that dude's—he's been through it. Um, I will say, like for me, I, I think it's Blake Burke because this place is just like LNS is just such a home run factory, especially for left-handed hitters. Yes, <laughs> like this season, I, I told my uncles, I was like, I just the amount of dingers this man is going to hit over the next two years uh, in Knoxville is just going to be preposterous like he's just going to be like someone when you're at the stadium everyone's going to pause like there are certain guys they would pause for last year and it was back in gilbert like in lipscomb where they would they would stay they're like oh that those three guys are up uh, we're going to make sure we see what happens here because it's probably gonna be a hit more often than not they're all like batting close to 400 for most of the year it's like every other opportunity they're up they're going to do something blake Berger's is going to be that i think we're like oh is he going to hit another home run where people are just going to wait and you're kind of like oh he didn't hit one this time like blake burke did not get all of that one weird what's wrong with him <laughs> yeah i mean burke is burke's going to break the career home run record at tennessee i think by so the time, too by not even i mean it's a foregone conclusion he's yeah. going to break it by, he's going to break it by the time sdc play starts in his junior season <laughs> he is he hit 14 last year is mm-hmm. what i think 43 is the number i'd be mm-hmm. stunned if he doesn't hit 20 this year to me, it'll be north of 20. I wouldn't be yep. surprised if it's 25. Like, he's – it's just a collision course. I mean, you got to mm. feel for I, – I can't even – I think it was Luke Luke who ended up coming out on top. I mean, him and Evan were competing for it, and mm. they were step one separated the two. I think it was Luke. You kind of got to feel for him. I hope he enjoys this season as the home run champion at Tennessee because <laughs> it's a collision course of Blake, Blake Burke coming at it. Yeah, I think he's okay. Like, it's Luke is a weird all-time one. He's, he's great, but – yeah, just you don't think of home runs with Luke. Like it's just not. He was a glue guy. Luke was a glue guy. Mm-hmm. Um, football though, which scholarship position, Ethan, are you most comfortable with, and then which one are you most nervous about going into spring ball? Hmm. I'd say I don't even know if nervous is the right word. Wide receiver is something I'm not really nervous about. I just I'm anxious to see if it is the same production as last year, which I mm-hmm. lean towards no. But I'm I'm not really 100% sure. Wide receiver is probably the one I'm a little iffy about. Something I am – I think I think linebacker is going to legitimately be pretty decent this year because you have, obviously, Aaron Beasley coming back, and you have a lot of newcomers coming in that I think could provide some legitimate help. Um, I'm, I, I think between Jeremiah Thielander, Arian Carter, and Jalen Smith, I think – you got to find one dog in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are three three big time prospects, and I feel I feel like the news coming out of uh, you know the the early developments is that some of them are going to be really good. Um, I I'm not insanely confident about my answer. I'm going to be honest, but I, I'd go I'd go linebacker and wide receiver for that. I like it. What about you, Ryan? Strength, I'm confident. I'm going to go running back. I mean, I guess depth is just something you worry about, but I feel really good about those top three backs. I'm really Really excited about Jalen Wright and just really hopeful that he can not fumble the ball in practice to make him running back number one and gain that confidence. Um, so, I mean, those top three guys, it's hard not to be 
feel one really good about him and two just be really really confident in him after what they did this year. Until I see the defensive back room be better, like that's that's the question yeah. mark. I mean, they added some bodies. I like some of the transfers they added. I like it cornerback some of the freshmen they brought in, but I'm just have to see it to believe it. And I will say to Ethan's point, this obviously wasn't the question, but the linebacker room is probably the room I'm most excited to see. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned the young guys, Arian Carter and Jalen Smith, especially. Uh, I'm really high on. Uh, I, you bring in a solid guy, a veteran guy in uh, Keenan. We had this conversation. Peely? Peely, Peely yeah. yeah. And then um, Herring, uh, Elijah Herring, yeah. is another guy that I'm really excited about. I, I thought looked good in his limited but not just garbage time opportunities. I mean, he got opportunities in real games when it mattered last year, and I thought that said a lot about their confidence in him. I thought he played pretty well in those opportunities, and I'm excited to see what he can do uh, with a, a full offseason in the college weight room. Yeah, I'm ready with you with – I think linebacker on defense is going to be the area of strength next year. I think that's like their most consistent. I think that's going to be the safest. And like you have a lot of options. You have the young stars. You have the stopgap guys and Keenan and Beasley. Then you have like the unknown guys who've been there, Cale Perry and Elijah Herring, who still have been in the system for a little bit longer. So you can still turn to them if injuries pop up um, and you don't have to thrust in the true freshmen. So I think they're just super deep at linebacker for the first time in the hype era, but it's, it's not yeah. necessarily an area that you have the returning talent and you're like, this is a hundred percent going to be it. But mm. just with all the guys that you mentioned, you got to be able to find two or three of them. That, that and it's can- also if Beasley is, if who we saw from Aaron Beasley down the stretch is who he is now, that's yeah. a huge, huge win. That's yeah. a huge jump in how we look at this room. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think secondary and defensive line is just not there yet. Like they have guys now, they have more dudes but it's still like the sec- the starting secondary is probably still going to be like Christian Charles and or like Danico Slaughter and Warren Burrell, Tamarian McDonald, Wesley Walker, and Jalen McCullough. And you're like, well, that still stinks. Still a bottom three, bottom two secondary in the SEC. And then you look at the edge. I'm like, Byron Young might go second, third round. And you look at Barron last year. He was extremely hit or miss like it i guess it's positive that he's back to the bears back but like he's okay but you're still relying a lot on um joshua joseph making the leap um tyree west making the leap um who else uh who's the other guy james pierce making the leap mm-hmm. i just i'm not convinced tennessee's gonna be a good pass rush next year and i could actually see a scenario where they're actually worse rushing the passer and jeremy banks was so good on the edge rushing the passer that you saw what not having him around i don't think tennessee's gonna be as good there, I think they're. I, I just, I, I sense that they take a step back in the pass rush. I don't think it'll be a large step back because there's no yeah. room to take a large step back. The pass yeah, rush wasn't true. Good. I mean, yeah, the LSU game great. was good and the Kentucky game was good. Yeah. Byron Young had about 80% of his sacks on the season in those two games and yeah. was a non factor for most of the rest of the year. So I'm with you. I have those question marks completely. Like, it's far from a foregone conclusion. Yeah. The pass rush is going to be like make a leap and be better. But at the same time, I have confidence in Ronnie Gardner that the defense line is going to be solid. Yeah. Like they've done it with, it won't be bad. It's just yes. going to be okay. Like Ronnie Gardner is going to keep this group because like Chandavian Bradley's in the Joseph of the world. They're just not ready. So I think next year, 2024, I could see a big leap yeah. where it's like, okay, that's at a point where I'm like, all right, they could probably be a serious threat and opposing offensive lines are nervous about the Tennessee pass rush, but I just don't think that's going to happen in 2023. I will say the only thing I'm concerned about on offense is the offensive line. Denal Wright being gone at right tackle, and there's a scenario where, like, we don't know what John Campbell looks like at right tackle. He might just be 
he might be bad. Like all we know right now, he was friends with uh, Joe Milton. And that's like, that's about it. And then you look, cause Darnell Wright was just so much good. It's so good that I just, I don't see a scenario where Campbell's better than what we saw from Darnell Wright last year. And then you look at the left tackle spot and you're like, I mean, are we still going to run it back with Mincy and Crawford just alternating games, depending on who's playing better or injuries. And then, I mean, the guards, I'm not worried about like whoever wins that it's, they'll be fine. Ollie Lane. I don't, I don't, I don't care who wins the carbon spot. They're going to be all right. Cooper Mays is rock solid. I just, I think what happens if they do take a step back on the offensive line and the offensive line, especially the tackle spots are not good. And you have a quarterback who does not run and make plays with his feet nearly as much as Hendon Hooker did a year ago when things broke down. Hendon Hooker was just so good with his legs as well through the air. Joe Milton, we saw even in the orange bowl, he takes sacks and he's not going to navigate and he's not as fast and he's just not as comfortable running and maneuvering out of the pocket as Hendon is. And I think Tennessee could be exposed a lot more this fall with somebody like Joe Milton in a bad offensive line than would have been the case with Hendon. Is that fair? No, that's completely fair. And not even like, I don't even think Hendon was great out of the pocket, but what Hendon was great about was knowing when to take off Mm -hmm. and run and what he was excellent. And Joe Milton has not proved to be good. Hendon was great at taking a negative two yard sack. Mm -hmm. Uh, Getting back as close as he could back to the line of scrimmage. We'll live to fight another day. It's not going to kill us. Joe Milton, I felt like, took like three seven-plus-yard sacks in the Orange Bowl where he just had no feel for what he needed to do when the play broke down. So mm-hmm. I completely agree. Offensive line, to me, is the only well, – offensive line and quarterback are the only two places I'm concerned about the offense. I'm not, I'm not con- concerned about receiver. I'm not concerned about running back. And you're right. It's the tackle spots that you have to be, I don't know, if worried is the right word, but there's – it's not there's great. Like you look around the league, like, it's not great. Yeah, That's a bad situation. They haven't recruited offensive tackle well. No. I mean, Glenn Ellerby's done a great job of coaching the offensive line. He has mm. not done a very good job of recruiting. I think it's fair to be like Campbell and Mincy and Crawford as your tackle best options going in 2023 is scary. Like <laughs> that's scary. You can say whatever you want to say about the previous administration, but they still recruited. Like there was a point where Jimmy Pruitt, we remember that all five star offensive linemen uh, in that uh, George. Yeah. They had all five stars. That's just not going to be the case in the Hypel era. So yeah. we'll see what that matters. Because I think Ellerbees, like you said, deserves credit for being a great development guy. But when you don't have a lot of dudes anymore and the Darnell rights are gone and like, yeah, Sham, you should be good. But like, they're not, I don't think they're going to rush Sham into their right tackle right away. So it's like, it's just going to be lower class, lower, three, three star walk on guys at the tackle spots. And you're like, all right, good luck. Let's <laughs> hope things are fine. And I wouldn't, you know, Minton Crawford weren't bad last year. It wasn't yeah. like there's reason to panic of thinking, Oh my gosh, he has to start again. Like that's how I feel about Jalen Nicole at safety. Oh my gosh. Are they really going to trot that dude out there again for another year? But you feel, feel okay way. if Crawford's at right tackle and Mincy's at left tackle start of the year. That doesn't make you panic. I'm not. I'm saying one of them starting at left. Okay, but what if both end up tackle. starting? Because Campbell's not good. And well, that uh, you're you're just getting out. ahead of my point. My my, <laughs> it's a whole lot. It's a lot different when you have to one side they're okay, and yeah. you got someone you have no concerns about on the other side. When you have two guys on both sides, that it's like eh, it's a little shaky. It's not terrible, but it's a little shaky. To me, that's when it, when it completely changes. Which is is your point? Yeah. Last thing: three permanent SEC rivals uh, for Tennessee. Ethan should be who. If you are the ultimate decision maker here, you are landing on this hill when you're in the conference meetings next month. You're like, this is our three. Figure it out however you want, but this is our three, and we're not moving off this. Who are your three? 
I like the rivalry between Tennessee and Alabama, but everyone would hate me if I said Tennessee Alabama. I I mean it it makes most the most sense in my opinion if you want to go regionality wise to do like three opponents be Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and South Carolina, but I don't think they're going to do that. So I'd say more like Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Alabama mm. would would be a, because you, I feel like you have to keep the rivalry intact. Um, so I feel like Tennessee, Alabama has to be a thing, and then Tennessee, Vanderbilt, obviously in state. And I, I don't know the Kentucky Tennessee rivalry. I, I I like it personally, I, especially with the way Kentucky's going. And obviously, that's not going to be the case in in the far future. But I I think keeping the regionality of it all, and, and obviously two programs that don't like each other very much. I, I think that'd be the way I go. Yeah, I um I think people are gonna. I don't think Tennessee fans by and large will like that. But I think that's no, what's I mean they win. won't. They they won't. I mean Tennessee fans right, probably won away from Alabama. I mean, Bama's the one I think locked. I think the Bama's the only one I'm certain is staying. Like, yeah, if I had to yeah. bet money on like which of the three is permanent, I, or like most likely, I would say Bama's one. Bama, Tennessee, I don't think is going anywhere. I feel I think, like Vanderbilt is one of them. I, I'm not sure about Kentucky. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure about I Kentucky. Go, I, totally, it, I think I, I, I totally think Vanderbilt is one of them. Vanderbilt, Alabama, Vanderbilt, can, like, press yeah, I, I'm not, most likely than Vanderbilt than Kentucky. Yeah, I'm not sure about Kentucky. That's the one that I was just kind of, you know, had to pick one. But it I feel like Vanderbilt they got to bring the barrel back. If we're yeah. keeping Kentucky, the barrel has to come back. Like yeah. that's the rule. I think a lot of it is once you start looking at the broader scope of things outside of mm. Tennessee and Kentucky, and Kentucky, who's going to be people think is going to be their uh, potential matchups is not many good teams. So mm-hmm. you, that like that's the that's the one thing people complain about with the 6-3 is it's not even the mm-hmm. three per minute but there's, you're not going to make it even it's no, just you're not going to happen you're, no you're you're right you're not but kentucky's one of the teams that's going to get the easiest so mm-hmm. you're not going to take tennessee who's going to be you know their hardest one mm-hmm. what you would expect obviously that doesn't all go to fruition florida state and miami have never played each other in the acc championship game mm-hmm. but that i mean it, it goes like that florida georgia both those teams have more likely candidates besides tennessee and chase you mentioned or, i mean excuse me ethan you mentioned Tennessee fans don't want to see Alabama. I mean, I mean, like Tennessee's going to start beating out. No, you're you're right about that. That's how people view it. Yeah, but to me, I mean, not that Tennessee's going to start beating Alabama like every other year or anything. But mm-hmm. I'd rather More be, playing, I'd rather be playing them than Georgia. Nick I State mean, yeah, you, you, that, and you also you want great forever. You want one of the. I mean, you want one of the Georgias or Alabamas because then you got the chance every year. I mean, you, well, you don't get to experience TV. stuff like you don't get to experience stuff like you did in Neyland this past season. Yeah, if you don't well, play Alabama every year. I think it's TV though. I think Tennessee Bama was like the number yeah, two, number yeah. one most watched regular season game this yeah. past year. Yeah. Like it's just too much TV value, and with ESPN running this conference now, like I just don't think they're like, yeah, we'll move off uh, Tennessee Bama No. because you so saw the you, best version of it is just top notch television. Who do you guys think the third is then? If it's, I mean, who do I want, or who seems, do I think it's going to be? It because seems it, everyone likes the Alabama and Vanderbilt from mine, but who, I mean, who I would punt Vanderbilt if I could. Like that game is just never going to be a fun watch. It's just basically if Tennessee win. loses, they're yeah, fired. It, like that's easy, just the rule. Yeah. Like if you lose to Vanderbilt, you're out, which is a fair rule. That should be written into every contract. Is just if you lose to Vanderbilt, don't care how much success you've had in the past, you're out. Like that's we just can fi- the, we can fire you with cause. Yes, yeah. that is because cause. we Lucy. hate you. Because you do have reason. It's because you lost to Vanderbilt. So that's all we need to know. This, this, I mean, I think that's fair. I think every Tennessee fan would sign on for that. I mean, it'd also be a legendary thing where it's like we know what what's expected of me. Like that's just part. Of, that how disrespectful just... would that be to Vanderbilt? <laughs> but it's fair. I mean, that's what happens here. 
Um, if I had it my way, I would do um, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee, Bama, Vanderbilt, and Florida. I think Florida just being the early part of the season is just super cool, and it's just such a it, it like lets you know, like gets you in the SEC mood where you're like, all right, it's SEC time. Like that's just you're ready for it. Like fans are like there's seasons. no. It's just Florida Tennessee is such a fun kickoff game, basically to the SEC slate. That losing that every year would be a bummer. Georgia, I don't really care about. It. It's not because I'm trying to duck Georgia, but I just don't think it's the same as Florida and Kentucky for me. So I think it would go one Florida, two Kentucky, three Georgia. If I had to pick that third one, another one that would be a lot of fun. That I'm, I think I agree with you on the Florida. Actually, I'd, I'd kind of forgotten about that. I mean, that'd be more fun than Kentucky. Texas would also be sneaky fun. I think. Regionally, not, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just say I, I think it's not going to happen, but Texas would be sneaky fun. The good thing about all of this is you're going to play everybody every two yeah. years. That's, yeah. the, that's yeah. the beauty of the three six. Like you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna lose being able to play, maybe play Florida or Georgia every year, which obviously is a bummer, but it's not the end of the world. You get to play them every two years, every mm-hmm. four years. You're still going to make trips to the Gainesville and Athens and whatever. And yeah, there's not a whole lot of good, a lot of things I like about conference expansion, but getting rid of this horrible horrible scheduling we have now is by yeah. far number one yeah ryan Chumpert, what can the good folks check out from you over at uh, rocky top insider this week yeah so we've had tons of stuff um this last week on getting ready for baseball season previews on a bunch of different stuff some bold predictions pitching lineups predictions today uh so, so tons of stuff on that uh, i'll be up in rupp arena tomorrow with coverage of that and then Coming next week, next Thursday, uh, oral history story. 15-year anniversary of number one Memphis versus number two Tennessee. Tennessee becomes number one for the first time ever. Talked about 12 people uh, around that team, uh, and it should be a lot of fun. So be on the lookout for that. There you go. Ethan, what about you and the team over at Saturday Down South this week? Keeping up with the end of uh, college basketball season, obviously. We're making some tournament pages that uh, you can check out, SaturdayDownSouth.com, for both SDS for Saturday Road, which will be um, obviously the ACC um, getting some stuff done on Big 12, Big 10 tournaments, obviously upcoming. March's going to be a lot of fun. And then uh, shifting college baseball. Uh, like Ryan said, SDS will have a lot of coverage of that, both news and from the plan side. So There we go. Ryan, Ethan, thank you as always. And uh, I will talk to you all next week. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you that you're interviewing, mm-hmm. your um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.